does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. What was the national story of the day yesterday? And it will pick back up this weekend just because of uh, what happens on Thursday through Sunday, that being, you know, PGA Tour events, will be the live golf is no more. But it wasn't because the PGA Tour waited them out. It was because the two are merging. And go ahead and throw the DP World Tour in on that. That was the big topic yesterday. Will Haskett was in this seat yesterday. I'm sure he did a better job than me. And he is in his normal seat now on a Wednesday, which is getting ready for four days of golf coverage in the PGA Tour. And he joins us now. Hello, my friend. How are you? Uh, travel logged, but good to talk to you. Let's, uh, uh, let's do this again. Nothing like June golf news stories in Indianapolis. I mean, it's, you know, it's I've never had this before. You did three hours of this yesterday. Now that you've had kind of 24 hours since then to try to make sense of it. Um, just, just kind of overall your thoughts as to where this story stands, if you will, on day number two. Yeah. I mean, we don't really know anything. You know, I, I think it's, I could easily just say there's really not, you know, 15 minutes worth of content out of a conversation since we don't actually know what's going to happen. But I would say since the news broke and then we were on yesterday in the midday show, and then even really since I talked to the guys on the morning show this morning, you know, last evening, Jay Monahan had a little press scrum or conference call with some reporters. I didn't really think there was a whole lot that came out of that other than him sort of saying, hey, listen, this is just a, a, a framework agreement and that the really only binding sort of handshake is that we're going to end litigation against one another, that being um, effectively the PIF, which is the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, which is funding Live Golf and the PGA Tour and many of those entities, whether it's Live PIF or the PGA Tour, had, you know, we're going to court in a variety of different places for antitrust or breach of contract, whatever you want to say. And this is sort of wipes away all of the pending litigation between the two. And that was really the one, I think, piece of concrete um, information that we knew is that they're they're stopping that. So the lawyers are stopping are not getting paid as of today. You know, they're billing for all their time that has taken place. But in terms of like the existence and what this new for-profit corporate sort of structure looks like, we didn't really know. And then Rory McIlroy spoke to reporters at the RBC Canadian Open a little after 9 o'clock this morning, and I think just provided a little bit more context to what he had learned. And he didn't really become aware of it until about 6, 7 a.m. yesterday, which is when one of the policy board members, which he is close with, Jimmy Dunn, communicated to him. And so Rory kind of wanted to like set the record straight on a few things, I think, today in the press conference, or at least shown a light on it and things that we didn't know yesterday. And he wanted to point out is that this is not a merger with Live Golf. This is a merger between the DP World Tour, PGA Tour, and the Public Investment Fund. Now, the PIF is currently funding Live, right. but Rory still drew his line in the sand. Like I, He said, I hate Live Golf. You know, I want Live Golf to fail. I think that it is still going to go away. But this is not us saying we are going to be, you know, one and the same with Live Golf. This is effectively, and this is now me sort of sure. inserting it. We've effectively, we them being the PGA Tour, not me, but Rory McIlroy and the PGA Tour, have effectively just joined forces with the bank, the money source that was making Live possible. And so, you know, he who has the money has the power, <laughs> and that's really becoming the thing in sport right now. And this is the first, I think, real 
super Americanized way that we're going to see this influence of Middle Eastern money and Saudi Arabian money. We touched on that a little bit yesterday. But I think, you know, if you say he who has the power is fully in charge, that's kind of the case. But now the PGA Tour jumps in front of Liv as the ones who have that money. And their idea is that they still get to run their business the way that they run their business, and that being a typical PGA Tour schedule, but we still have a lot of things to iron out that is just all speculative at this point in time going into 2024. You know, it, it's odd. Uh, it sounds like a teacher that says, hey, don't just give me the answer, show your work, uh, is what immediately comes to mind. Like the yeah. end result, okay, of, uh, you know, the average fan gets to see Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, etc., competing against, you know, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, that's a good thing, okay? So the end result, I think everybody goes, okay, that's a good thing. It's just kind of the messy pieces to get to there that I'm yeah. having a hard time wrapping my brain around. I just just your thoughts on that statement. It is yeah, it is well, it's messy and I think Rory kind of spoke for a lot of the feeling in the last 24 hours too of he's resigned to the fact that this is the new world order of funding and jay monahan said this yesterday they tried to make this new competitive model of the pga tour work overnight with designated events and bloated purses and reaching out to current sponsors and squeezing as many dollars out of it and the fact of the matter is they could see that it was an untenable situation most likely moving forward whenever that whenever the tap was going to run out and the reserves were going to run out. I'm not saying they were imminent this year, next year down the road, but they just couldn't keep compete financially. And Rory sort of is like, Hey, look, he's resigned to the fact that this is where the, this is where the money's coming from. If, and I want to keep what I think is the best golf product going, then you kind of just have to, you have to take on that money. Like that's the only way to really sort of survive. And so, yes, it is messy. Yes. It brings in, all of the hypocrisy of statements that everybody has been saying over the last two years about where the money comes from and what this might mean. And, uh, you know, it's going to fall in a lot of deaf ears when they say, you know, the PJ Tour is still run by its board. Now, the chairman of the PIF is going to now be one of those board members, doesn't have absolute power, but is one of the voting members on the PJ Tour board. Jay Monahan, the PJ Tour commissioner, is the CEO of this new for profit umbrella sort of organization. So there's a lot of combined leadership qualities in all of this so you can you can roll your eyes and say well we know where who really has the say because who's writing the checks but at least from a pga tour standpoint they're like if we can't beat them then we've got to at least kind of join the money train to keep our to keep our product going forward and I'm, and I, I think when we, this whole thing started last year greg you sort of knew and they've always and jay monahan has said it from the very beginning like we can't compete financially with a 650 billion dollar sure wealth fund you just can't no one can um and this is kind of where we've arrived at here today and yeah it is it's it's sticky it's messy it's there's a lot of you know gotcha go back and find sound bites and clips from 12 months ago of things that have happened and it's this whole situation has just been a freight train for the last two years just of who can do what one-upsmanship and everything and yesterday was the latest bombshell at all are you are you at all surprised that the the seemingly the player reaction from the meeting yesterday was as overwhelmingly negative as it was? Should we have seen that coming or did that catch you off guard? 
I think if any of us were part of any organization and we felt like we had a stake in it and then something is done, whether it's going to eventually have positive or negative impacts, which I don't think anybody can say for sure, like what the the number one player in the FedEx Cup standings or the number 125th player in the FedEx Cup points probably have two different views of what their future might be. And they don't really necessarily know if it's going to be better or worse than what it is right now. Like we just don't know. Right. But I think the big thing yesterday is if you really feel like you're part of a member organization and you didn't see this, none of us saw it coming. I think just the natural reaction when you're being blindsided by information is, whoa, excuse me, what? Disbelief. And then I think also given the nature of what you've been saying and what you've been told and the loyalty and the fight, and this is where I think, you know, the players that are on board with it and the commissioner and everybody, like they've got some work to do over the next couple of months of showing the players that this was not only the best pathway forward, but maybe the only pathway forward. And how does it impact their livelihoods? And Jake asked the question this morning, like, do you think that I think that players would boycott or do anything like that? And so for the most part, outside of those top 20, 25 players in the world that can command you know, six right. figure, seven figure, eight figure, you know, you know, payment fees. If you're a professional golfer, you just want to go play golf at the highest level for the most amount of money. And if you have a moral issue with everything that's going on and you want to walk away from that, then I, I championing that. I, I completely champion that. But it's a lot harder to say now, 24 hours into it, than it probably would be three months down the road, six months down the road. When I think – and Rory even hinted at the fact that he thinks that the 2024 PGA Tour schedule is going to be released in the next couple of weeks. I think the schedule next year is going to look very similar to the PGA Tour schedule this year in terms of number of events and playing opportunities for players. And there's just some things that need to get ironed out in terms of who gets into what and how certain guys might be welcomed back to the PGA Tour. Again, Will Haskett, PGA Tour Radio, PGA Tour Live, and frequently host of this time slot. Joining us here on 93.5 and, and, and 107.5 The Fan. Um, I, I'm not sure I have a great deal of, of concern about this. Any idea what a live golf schedule is going to look like for 2020? Do, do they complete their events this year and, and, and sign yeah. off? What, what happens to, to that tour? Nothing changes in 2023, according to all parties yesterday. So you can still watch Live on the CW through the rest of their schedule. PGA Tour schedule doesn't change, including their fall series worth of events. But into 2024, we have no idea, like zero idea. I mean, Greg Norman is the head of Live Golf. He found out as soon as I found out yesterday <laughs> that this thing was going on. So, um, you know, there. I'm sure there's a lot of questions there in terms of what that is going to look like and how that is structured. And I'm I'm guessing there are stakeholders, many of them players and other partners within, you know, the the very quick organization, a quick setup of that organization that would like to see the brand and some of the elements of those tournaments stay. But I don't know. I again. I, Rory's not in charge. We figured that out yesterday, but hearing kind of from Rory yesterday to this morning and him sort of differentiating between these partnerships, it would seem to be that the concept of live golf is not very long standing at this point in time, but what they do with portions of the concept with team golf, with how they're going to take these new profits and funnel them to the top players. You know, do you end up taking elements of what live golf had team golf, no cut events or something like that and apply them to your big purse event. I don't know. This is me. Sure. Probably, I, I probably need to stop talking. Like it's, an, <laughs> I, I don't, it's, at this point in time, it's just speculating because we don't know. 
But right now, all of the conversation has been, this is good. This is for the PGA Tour, this is for the DP World Tour, and there's really been nothing to indicate what the future is for Live Golf. Do you think the average fan cares that the money that was backing Live Golf will now be heavily involved in the PGA Tour as of 2024? Do you think the average Joe that wants to either go to a, a tour stop or t- turns on CBS or NBC or watches you on ESPN Plus or listens on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, do you think they will care or that will influence them one way or the other, whether they're, they're making golf part of their Saturday or Sunday schedule? Yes. I mean, I think there are definitely some golf fans, you know, members of the military community sure. who have justifiably serious issues where the money is coming from and the PGA Tour has a really strong um, military partnership yep. with their tournaments each and every week. I think that there are any number of people who could have serious issues with this who are certainly turned off by the concept of live. I know a lot of people who are turned off by the concept of live for it's just competitive structure. It didn't have anything to do with where the money was coming from, but just how they were competing. And I use air quotes in that one because you could kind of question how much it was true competition. So I think there will be some people who will be turned off by that, but you also have to remember there are a lot of people that jumped ship the other direction because they just want to see the best players play each other. So if this unifies more fields in non-major events to having those top names all together again, then does that sort of mitigate whatever potential loss that is? And then eventually over time, do, you know, do all the wounds heal? And you kind of come back when some people might leave and say, I'll take a wait and see approach as to how this happens. It's, it's a really interesting debate and we're having it in golf right now. And it's just beginning in sport. And so I said this yesterday on the air, I said this morning on, on the air um, with the guys, like if, the Ursays tomorrow wanted to sell the Colts, and they're valued at five billion. Right, and that's CIF yeah. offers them ten billion dollars. That it would not be in the daughter's best interest to leave five billion dollars on the table if that's the highest offer. Now, would they feel bad about it? Maybe I don't know. I don't know the Ursays well enough to answer that question. Would some fans feel bad about that? Probably. But if all of a sudden the Colts payroll went to the top of the NFL, damn the luxury task or any sort of things, and the fans were getting to see high-priced free agents coming through the door because you had an unlimited pocketbook from an owner that wanted to get into the NFL, like, how quickly would Colts fans run away and run right back? You know, I don't know. I don't. It's impossible to answer that question, but at the end of the day, it's still sport. And so I hope that the product on the course or on the field or on the pitch, which, as you know, Greg, this has been happening worldwide now in soccer. Newcastle United is the most immediate example that comes to mind of that, by the way, to finish third. Now Man U is going to be cutter-owned by the end of the week, perhaps, if the Glazers decide to sell to the Prince in Qatar. Um, So who knows, like where all this kind of goes. If you just want to see the best of sport – then you may have to check some of that. I don't know. I, I can't tell anybody how to think or right. how to feel. I just know that we love sports. I love sports. I want to cover sports. I believe in the PGA Tours product. And while it's now going to be funded a little bit differently and it doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy inside, I still want to go You know, hope that I get to be on an Adam Shank winning call when he finally wins on the <laughs> PGA Tour or Denny McCarthy last week when he was brought to tears and it made me cry interviewing him after that playoff loss. Like, I still want to be a part of those human moments. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I could be called a bit of a, a hypocrite for, you know, ignoring where the money's coming from, but I want to see those sports moments continue. And 
you know, there's threats out there to take those away from us. And I don't know Would I'd rather have no sport or some sport. I don't know. It's, it's a really, it's a really weird place to be as a sports media personality and a sports fan in 2023, given the economics of worldwide sport and more and more of this, is coming to the United States. Uh, after having gone through no sports three years ago, uh, I know what that's like, and I don't want to be a part of that either. Uh, and again, right. it is a, yeah. it, it, it is it is a, uh, it, it's a quandary, and, and that's putting it's it mildly. It's a huge quandary. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what the right answer is, Greg. It's really hard. I could, it's, I'm not taking, I'm trying not to take a side at all. Like you and I could have a beer, and I could tell you, yep. you know, way harsher sort of feelings and opinions on this one. But I think, you know, do I want to ruin people's livelihoods? from the performance you know, on the player standpoint, just for the sake of the right that, you know, it's, it's really hard. It's a really, really hard position to be in. So the final question I've got for you is this, we'll end the discussion this way again, how, how much of this conversation makes the broadcast that you will do this weekend? Will you try to limit it to, Hey, he's got a seven, nine in his hands. He's a hundred and whatever yards out. Or does is it a mix of, Hey, here's the issues of the day. And now yeah, let's no. go over to 17. No, we'll be calling. I mean, be 100% golf. Um, it's there's really this is a great week for Canada for Golf Canada, which is a phenomenal organization. There's a number of great stories that deserve to be told, and I'd like to think that these days right now are reserved for these types of moments. But you know, when the light goes on, and I'm a play-by-play announcer. My job is to talk about the play sure. on the course, and so that's kind of where things go. And um, again, there's really not a whole lot to say. Yeah, that's that's the other thing too. From an organizational standpoint, excuse me, as someone who's working, you know, on behalf of the PGA Tour this week, nothing's changed about this tournament this week, and we don't have any information about next year. So in reality, there's really nothing to talk about. It's just that this announcement has, you know, opened up so many unanswered questions. You know, and if you scroll Twitter, you'll find a million people that'll tell you that it's not even going to happen because of, right. you know, antitrust issues and everything like that. So I mean. It's yeah, it'd be irresponsible to go on the air and take away from the play on the field, which kind of going back to my last answer is what I hope when the dust all settles, we still have. And that is great sports content stories and competition. And you get to talk about wildfires too. So there's that you get to throw into the mix uh, over the yeah, course of the, the next How's the air? Is it, is the cold front come through after I left town? Is it, is it the haze kind of burning off? How are we doing up there? It is hazy here. It appears to be far worse uh, in, in the Northeast, which obviously is kind of where the, the tournament's going to be played. And I don't think a golf tournament gets postponed because of air quality. But as you know, I work in the soccer world. Um, I saw that that a, a couple of matches at the lower levels were canceled in the New York area today. I know that the, the Scranton team in AAA baseball didn't play last night because of wow. air quality issues. So, yeah, that, that's kind of interrupting our sports conversation as well. Uh, that's It's just kind of the, the world we live in, sadly. Hey, I appreciate your passion for this and your intelligence on the subject, as always. And uh, have a great call and just trying to be able to focus on the sport itself these next four days. Yeah, I'm looking forward to calling golf shots. It's going to be a nice change of pace. Thanks, buddy. Well, Haskett, nice enough to join us again here on the Fan Midday Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. As advertised, Alec Pierce, kind enough to go straight from the practice field to the phone line to join us. Alec, it's Greg. Thank you so much for the time. And, and I know you were just a spectator today. Everything okay with that foot? 
Yeah, everything's all good. What is this process like for you going through this now a second time, having having finally had some downtime from the end of last season to get ready for your second season, knowing what to expect, even with a different head coach, how is it different for you the second time around? Uh, it's it's a lot different, a lot better experience, you know, just being able to go out there and not be all stressed about learning the plays, like where I got to line up, um, what route I got on this play, all that. It kind of just comes more naturally, so I'm able to go out there and, you know, think less about that and, and use more of my, uh, you know, my mental space to actually think about the defense and look and see who's guarding me, how they're guarding me, uh, what the safety's doing, all that, to see, like, if I can figure out the defense pre-snap and, just, you know, adjust my route accordingly. Obviously, it, it, is a, it is a different voice. It is a different staff. But there are, mm-hmm. there are a lot of similarities between, you know, Shane Steichen's background and Frank Reich's background. So, so just how different is the offense compared to what you were running and learning a year ago at this time? Yeah, it's, um, it's honestly not, not too much different. Um, I'd say it's like the same system. You know, my, we probably have added some plays, cut out some plays tweaks and plays with slightly different routes, uh, what they like doing, what they like. And then obviously it comes down to them calling which plays they like. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very similar, I'd say, system-wise. Um, so, yeah, it, but just, you know, I think they're going to emphasize different types of, thing, types of things. And, you know, it, it might be, we might be running the same play as we did last year, but they might be throwing the ball to a different spot, so it might look different, you know, because they might want to be more aggressive downfield or something like that. Alec Pierce again, our guest, Greg Rakestraw here on 93.5 and, and 107.5 The Fan. Um, that voice of Shane Steichen. Um, and obviously, you know, his first introduction to kind of everybody in the room is when OTAs first started back in mid-April. Um, I, I ask about difference of system, difference in manner of delivery. What's it been like playing for Coach Steichen so far? It's been great. He's a super smart guy. Um, you know, I really enjoy it. He, he kind of takes control and he, he'll – get up in front of us you know it's kind of splits time with our offensive coordinator and go up there you know and, and, and get on the film and kind of break stuff down for us and you can just see you know all the football knowledge come out like he's just a very smart guy loves ball um and it, you can always kind of like learn something from him when he goes up there and talks like just like little details um so yeah I'm, i've been trying to pick up on that you've obviously got two different uh, types of arms that are throwing to you these days as well in, in gardner yeah. Minshew and, and anthony richardson what is the learning process? I'll ask you more about Anthony Richardson coming up in a matter, and Gardner Minshew, frankly, as well. But as a receiver, when you now have a couple of different quarterbacks throwing it to you, what's that learning process like for you? Um, I don't think you know. I don't think it's that big of a difference. You know, it's, we I dealt with it a little bit last year. You know, it's just you just got to run your. I think it's more so on us. Like we got to run our routes and be very consistent with it, so that the quarterbacks know, like, because they might not always be going with the same guys, same receivers. Um, so they just, you know, we all across the board got to be consistent with our routes and make sure, you know, we're all running the routes at the right depth and all that. So they, cause they're not going to be just throwing, like they're going to be working between the ones and twos and all that. So it's a lot of difference. Um, so we want to just kind of all be uniform as a receiver. Again, Alec Pierce here with us, Greg Rakestraw on uh, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. So the million dollar question, how's the rook looking? How's Anthony Richardson doing? He's doing great. He had he had a great day today. I thought, uh, you know, the talent is obviously there. Uh, incredible arm strength, really mobile. Um, like once he gets off the pocket, I'm excited to see what he can do once we get pads on. All quarterbacks have to have that it factor. All quarterbacks yeah. have to have that leadership ability. Do you see that in him already? 
Yeah, I see it in him. You know, he he seems like a guy that like, uh, very, you know, he he's a guy who's got that deep voice, and like when he when he talks, like everyone's gonna listen, you know. So um, yeah, he's definitely like working into getting in that leadership, uh, just you know, with his youth and all that. But um, he's got a great guy to learn from in Gardner and Sam, um, and I think he's I can feel him kind of you know growing with confidence and and growing as a leader already. I cringe at, at thinking that somebody that just turned 27 is the old guy, but in the quarterback room, he kind of is uh, in, in terms of Gardner and his status is going to be just his fifth year in the National yeah. Football League. But but just kind of quick thoughts on, on, on how you see him handling his role with this team this year. Uh, I think he'll handle it great. You know, he from from what I know of Gardner, he's a great dude, great leader. Um, and he's just going to be someone that's going to embrace his role and do whatever he can for the team, like whether that's, you know, being out there or being on the sideline, he's gonna he's gonna help Anthony a lot, um, and he's gonna be a, just a really really good guy, really good attribute for this team. I, I know that uh, obviously this has not exactly been a fun week. Uh, it's been fun in terms of what you've done on the field, but with the news that broke on Monday in terms of what we eventually learned was going to be Isaiah Rogers, how have you and your teammates kind of handled that over the course of the last forty eight hours? Yeah, um, you know, coach addressed us a little bit, and you know, it's just it's really all about just educating ourselves and making sure we completely understand the rules and and whatnot. Because it, it seems like you know some people have across the league, you see some guys are getting suspended for something, and and there's really a lot more rules than than meets the eye. So we had somebody come in from the NFL, like one of their lawyers, to come in and kind of explain the the whole rules to us, and you know, making sure we just understand all that. You are a year removed from this, and when you are training full-time to get ready for the National Football League after completing your, your college days at UC, and you then, then you're learning a playbook, I know there is a, a lot that is thrown at you. Do you kind of remember yeah. kind of kind of like rookie symposium and, 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 and teaching moments last year? Is that something that was stressed to you heavily a year ago? What, just about learning the playbook? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. On, on the gambling front, on terms of just, hey, things oh. that things that you cannot do, uh, was was that something that was heavily talked about or addressed with you a year ago? Um, it was definitely talked about. Like, I, I think I understood most of it, but there are some kind of, like, subtle things that I didn't know were, were illegal or whatnot. Like, I, you know, obviously, you know, you can't gamble on the NFL. Sure. Um, I thought you just couldn't gamble on any sports, but – I guess you can, but you can't do it at the facility or like team, on the team hotel or plans or stuff like that. So that's that's one of those things I think that you know people people are understanding now, which is good that they're coming out and they're kind of uh, establishing those rules. I was like, Alec, it may be better off if you just went by the first the first thought. Just don't yeah, gamble, period. You're probably, probably better off. Yeah, uh, save some money, too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got a good perspective on it. Alec Pierce coming up to join right. us here on uh, 93.5 and, and 107.5 The Fan. All right, so since the last time you and I talked, um, you got to be a, a, an older brother and be a quite the basketball fan this spring. What was yeah. that run like for your yeah. brother at Princeton? Uh, it, was, it was great. It was incredible, you know, just being able to go out there and – I was able to go to both uh, or all three of his NCAA March Madness games, and that was incredible. And you know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm when we're done with uh, camp, I'm gonna be able to go home and see him. He's back home for the summer now, so excited to see both my brothers and just hang out with them. And I'm proud of them for what they're doing on the court. All right, how how, how are your basketball skills? Obviously, you picked football. Are you a hooper too? Yeah, a little bit. Um, 
I played up until my freshman year of high school. Yeah. I'm all right. I've never, never, never skilled as I'm more just athlete, so. <laughs> You now, I want, to, I want to play three on three tournament with them now at, at some point in my life. That's that's a good one. After football's over. That's a, exactly. Wait, wait, wait until that point. Uh, you guys I'll basically. Be Rod, I'll be Rodman. They're uh, just getting rebounds and setting screens, yeah. diving for loose yep. balls. Yep, that's me. That's a, that's a smart way to go about it. Um, you got one more week, obviously, of OTAs, and then you're on your own for, for the next 40 days. Um, do, do you, are you going through drills? Are you working on a regular basis? Or are you truly trying to get away a little bit here to rest your body and your mind before training camp starts up at the end of July? No, I'm going to be going at it. I definitely, you know, I'll, I'll – there's some time there to enjoy some time with family, friends. Um, you know, you got holidays, 4th of July all that but i'm definitely you know at least during the week going to be going at it training hard because i you know i got to make up for some so a little bit of the off season so now that i'm healthy and good to go just going to be going out there and just trying to get in the best shape i can and really like work on some things that i've been wanting to work on all all, all season do you try to get some time with gardner and anthony or just kind of go do your own thing while, while you're gone yeah we're definitely we're planning that right now so i think we're going to all try to get together at least for like a weekend or a week and, you know, get some catches in. All right, sounds good. Alec, we'll go, go rest up that foot. I appreciate your time after practice, and uh, I'll see you out there next week. Thanks again for the time. Yeah, thank you. You got it. Again, Alec Pierce, kind enough to join us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. In three, two, one. Welcome back. It is the Fan Midday Show. Greg Rakestraw getting my turn at bat this afternoon here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. And clearly a story that has been captivating to us for the last couple of weeks, and frankly, their story has been great all year, is that of the Indiana State Sycamores. We'll get into playing TCU at TCU coming up in a few minutes. But, you know, Mitch Hannes has been on with me. He's been on with JMV. That's been great. I wanted to kind of, you know, go to one of the players, and I was fortunate enough to be there when kind of his story to this year started. You've heard the story told about Lane Miller, who went from student assistant to batting practice pitcher to undefeated on the mound for the Indiana State Sycamores. I am be fortunate enough that I was on the ESPN Plus call the night that he got the ball for the first time against Purdue. So I've been following this now since March 28th, and I am thrilled that he is joining us now on the show. Lane, congratulations, man, on one heck of a run. Uh, I know you barely had time to kind of stop and and take this all in. What have these last two months been like for you? Uh, It's been a roller coaster ride, honestly. I mean, I've been very fortunate to get to do what I've done thus far. Obviously, we have a lot more to go and do. But honestly, it's just been a blessing. Uh, You work and you work from the time you start playing baseball to this point to – go to a regional, go to a super regional and so forth. But obviously my story started two months ago, three months ago, and I've worked for years and years to get to that point to finally reach that point and showcase what I can do for my team. Uh, it's obviously not been possible without my team, but it's, it's, been amazing honestly all right so there's there's a couple of different stories to tell here and so the first one is when you're kind of approaching the off season with basically saying hey listen 
we've got a spot on the roster for you, but maybe not a, a spot on, 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 for lack of a better term, a 40-man roster. So kind of yep. walk me through the conversation when Mitch and staff come to you and say, hey, we've got a spot for you, but it's as a student assistant coach. Uh, so that was a tough decision, obviously. I kind of had to soak it in, kind of think about it a little bit, but then again, I really didn't think about it. It was kind of a quick turnaround. He asked me one day, and I said, can I give you – a little bit of time and he said yeah sure you take the weekend or whatever it was and uh, it was the next morning at practice came to him and said hey listen i i want to do this uh i want to allow other guys to be able to do what they can do with the facilities be on the team do all that kind of stuff and i'm just going to help this team where i can uh when i can do whatever it takes to make these guys better um when it obviously grew into throwing batting practice you know doing scouting reports hitting fungos just anything and everything i could possibly do that's what my job was at that point in time and it really came second to none that i was just you know what this is what i'm going to do uh Baseball is bigger than myself, bigger than me playing baseball, and to be around the team and to be around the game of baseball was it was good enough for me. Obviously, I would love to play and whatnot, but I was fortunate enough to have the opportunities that I did. So it really was a no-brainer for me. So yeah. So then, at one point in time, um, obviously around mid to late March, was this you that went to the coaching staff and said, "Hey, um, I'm doing pretty well in BP here." Was this your teammates? How how did the coaching hat get lifted off of you, and all of a sudden you're back on the forty man for a Tuesday game? No, obviously through a through a I don't know fifty game season, a lot of things can happen, and whether that's injury, guys are fatigued, guys are tired. I mean. Pitching rotation changes all year. You start with what you think you could end up with at the end of the year, but throughout the whole year that kind of changes and dwindles down and becomes what it is and what it has at this point. But I didn't go to the coaches to say anything. They came to me. It was one of those. I was still batting practice those guys, and it started out, you know, the typical 40, 50 feet, and then it was, you know what, I'm going to give these guys everything I got, so let's scoot it back to 60 feet, 6 inches, throw it as hard as I possibly can. So these guys can see a live arm for upcoming weeks. And, you know, when we were at UK, that's when it kind of was like, you know, just throw it as hard as possible, throw sliders, do whatever it takes. And then it just kind of grew into, okay, let's get on a mound and throw BP to these guys like once or twice a week, but BP the other days. And the coaches kind of saw it, the hitters kind of talked about it like oh lane's kind of lane's kind of hard to hit so it kind of grew into <laughs> it kind of kind of grew into we needed an arm against purdue we had right. a had used a lot of arms that weekend before and it was well the coaches obviously i was in the coach's office and it was like well who are we going to throw and coach hannah said you know what lane you're going to throw tonight so it kind of just was i wouldn't say spur of the moment i think coach hannah has a reason and a purpose behind everything that he does because that's just him but came to me and said, listen, you're, you're throwing against Purdue. Let's see what happens. So, so, so with that, um, I will, I will kind of ruin the surprise. You get handed the ball. You threw eight innings. You gave up eight hits, yep. two runs through 98 pitches and, and got the yep. win. You, you guys won that game eight to two. What yes, was your expectation? Going? How long did you think you'd be on the mound that night? Uh, going into the game, I knew that I had absolutely nothing to lose. Uh, I think that's what separated me from you know throwing one to two innings it was I could stress out and be in frantic mode before the game or I could go out and say you know what let's just 
see what happens. You know what I mean? And that's what I did. I went out and literally just tried to see what would happen, see what I could do. I didn't change anything from when I threw BP or when I would throw with the teammates or anything like that. Just kept doing literally what I was doing in practice, and it worked out in my favor and ended up going eight innings, had great defense behind me. I mean, I think at that point in time, it was – let hitters hit the ball. You have the number one defense sure. behind you. Uh, and with a defense like ours, if they put the ball in play, most times they're not, they're going to get an out. So it was, let's just throw the ball where it needs to go and get outs. And that's really all I did. Um, kind of just left the stress at home and did what I needed to do. And, and let me let me point this out to folks. Um, at the time, Indiana State was 11-11. and 11. Since yep. Lane was inserted in that game, uh, I believe now the record would be thirty-four and four since that decision yep. happened back on March twenty-eighth. Yeah. And then to make the story even better, so all of a sudden you pitch that well on Tuesday. And normally, if you're going to be the midweek guy, you'll come back the next Tuesday. Now yep. you're the number three guy the next weekend. So how was that arm feeling the next day to where you're ready to go play, pitch the following Sunday? I think at, at that point in time, I was throwing so many pitches. Uh, throughout the week that it was kind of nothing, if that makes sense. I mean, coming coming from a pitcher, it's hard to believe, like, oh, he threw as many pitches this day, his arm's going to be sore the next day. But really, it it wasn't. So it was one of those, Coach Hannes kind of said, well, you don't need to be ready until Sunday. And I said, okay, so I'm going to pitch on Sunday. Because I didn't know at that point in time, was it just going to be a one-time thing or was it going to be needed, just get used when needed or what? But it turned into, okay, Okay, Coach Hannes just said you're going to pitch on Sunday. So that's where we took it, and that's what we did. And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's it's honestly been mind-blowing to me personally, but it is what it is. We've, we, we've been winning ballgames. So, so here, here's the stat. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. For Lane, folks, two seventy-seven ERA. He's seven and zero. He's now started ten more times since that time and has not been beaten. Walked fourteen, struck out thirty-eight opposing batters, hitting two nineteen. So, in a season full of remarkable stories for a team, your story to me—I I get goosebumps just kind of telling those details and thinking about being there the first night when there were no expectations by anybody, let, let yeah, alone for, for, no. for you going in. So, I, I guess—is this like a, a, a second chance? A, a a last hurrah. How do you describe it? A blessing. It's honestly been a blessing to, you know, you could sit there and watch all the success happen in front of you and watch us win a championship and win a regional and go to super regional and all that kind of stuff. And which it would have been great and awesome. And being there to witness those guys do those kind of things, to, to, but to be a part of it, it, it's honestly a blessing. And it's, it's a feeling that you can't really describe unless you're there or in our locker room or around these guys, and it's it's amazing. It really is. Now, have you thought at all, because I, I and I'll let you explain in a second what's coming up for you in the fall, but you had already kind of made plans for life after baseball. Are, yep. you, are you changing that at all, or, or, or is whenever this run ends, and I hope for you it's the last game in Omaha. I hope it's when the run ends <laughs> for you and your teammates. Yep. I hope it's when the credits finally roll, but is, is yep. that going to be it for you, or are you thinking about maybe keeping pitching after this year? 
At this point in time, that, that's going to be it, okay. honestly. I mean, I haven't looked towards the future other than what the future has entailed up to this point, and I mean, I can't really think about anything else. I mean, I'm, it's it's one game at a time, like we say, but it's also one day at a time. You just enjoy what we're living in right now, enjoy what we're doing right now, and the rest will take care of itself. I mean, obviously, what I've gone through and my story, it all took care of itself. Obviously, we were sitting in February and early March, and I was thinking I was never going to throw a baseball at that point in time, and obviously, I've thrown a lot of baseball since then, so... You never know what's going to happen. You never know what can take place. But, yeah, as of right now, my, my, my time will be done at that point. Even dudes that are in their mid-40s think back to when they last played and go, man, if I had one more chance. Your, your, your duration was much shorter than most, but you got that second yeah. chance. Again, it's, it's what makes your story remarkable. So now let's tip up, tell people, what I think it's August, what you've got coming up. What's next for you? Uh, so in September, my plan as of now is to go to officer candidate school with the United States Marines. Um, obviously, I still have to get accepted and all that kind of stuff, but the ball has already started rolling, and the plan and paperwork's been taken care of, and that is the next step in my life is to follow in my little brother's footsteps. And, yes, I do say little brother following in his footsteps. It's, sometimes roles are reversed in that sense where the little brother falls the, the big brother but for me it's it's big brother falling little brother which is amazing and can't be more proud of him and what he's accomplished and I kind of saw what he went through when he went through boot camp and what he dealt with and I was truly inspired I mean you think about little kids being inspired by athletes and baseball players and stuff like that we saw it out here at Bob Warren this weekend but I think I was the one that was fanning over my little brother when he went through marine boot camp at uh paris island and got to experience that from a civilian civilian lifestyle and i kind of wanted to make the step and follow in his footsteps so well yep. you, you can tell from this conversation folks lane kind of has it together let me tell you about the latest honor that happened on tuesday he was named the mvc baseball scholar athlete of the year a 393 gpa you've already got your undergrad degree correct Yes, sir. All right. So you've been working on, on your master's degree in communications. And obviously, in this conversation, he's been communicating with me quite well. Lane Miller, our <laughs> guest, uh, Greg Rakestraw here on 93.5 and, and 107.5 The Fan. All right. A couple of quick things, and then we'll let you go because you literally have like a plane to catch uh, to, to get down <laughs> to uh, to Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, again, I, I talk about trying to make take a moment just to look around and, and, and breathe this all in. Because you didn't get the ball until Sunday, maybe you had that on Friday and Saturday. What was last week? weekend like to have Iowa, North Carolina, and Wright State at your yard and to have 2,500 people there screaming their heads off for everything you did well? Uh, I don't even know if there's one word to describe all of it. Honestly, it was so many different emotions all in one spot. I mean, you, you think of excitement, you think of stress, you think of happiness, you think of all these different words to describe a feeling, but... Bob Warren had every single feeling you could think of. I mean, fans were covering their eyes in stressful situations. Players were excited. I mean, it was truly everything you could feel out there with the Terre Haute community coming out each and every game and showing everything that, showing everything that we've worked on for them and winning a regional title for them. And 
it, it was amazing, honestly. All right, so middle this week, uh, or at least Monday, once we saw that Arkansas wasn't going to win, it was like, hey, TCU's coming to Terre Haute. Uh, because of other circumstances, that yeah. is not going to be the case. And I, I don't expect you to kind of go in-depth on this, but I, but I guess just wanted to get your perspective from you and the other 45, 50 guys in the room. How are you handling it, knowing you now have a business trip to take care of to go down to Fort Worth and, and then try to make it to Omaha after that? Like you said, it's a business trip. I mean, it's a different. It's another game. It's another place. This team's used to traveling. This team's used to playing on the road. Uh, back in February, early March, that's all we did. So it's we just get to do it in June now. So gonna take it with everything we can. We're gonna pack our bags tonight and tomorrow, and we're gonna hit the road and do what we got to do. So gonna be a big weekend win two go on to omaha and that's that's all we can think about so yeah well for the team perspective i hope you don't get the ball on sunday because you've won the first two games uh but exactly but i know that if you do get the ball in game three life has prepared you for this moment i am so happy for you again your story's been one of the favorite ones i've had the chance to to be a part of and, and tell in a small fashion even if it was just for that one day and and then for the days after it i'll always be rooting for you thank you so much for the time and best Lucky you're your teammates. Roll trees this weekend. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.